Welcome to the Modern Ministry Podcast, where we discuss key issues in contemporary ministry. The Modern Ministry Podcast is a weekly podcast put on by the John W. Rawlings School of Divinity at Liberty University. I'm your host, Jack Carson, and in today's episode, we're starting a special series focused on the church's response to the coronavirus pandemic. In particular today, we have Dr. Lewis Beckwith joining Dr. Troy Temple to discuss how his church is reflecting on the coronavirus pandemic, both practically for community as well as theologically. Well, Lewis, I really appreciate you taking some time here to join us on the Modern Ministry Podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is, uh, I, I think, what what I would typify as a great door of opportunity. And, Absolutely. Uh, hopefully, we can we can kind of dissect that and hear a little bit about what's going on uh, in this community, and uh, specifically with you at Calvary Baptist here in Lynchburg. And and um, but as we get you know into this discussion, uh, you know, I, I thought about uh, how various churches are responding uh, to the. The, the situation that we're in in this nation right now, as we're as we're really uh, trying to be intentional about how we care for people during the coronavirus, and um, uh, also as we're monitoring and listening to government officials and wanting to be uh, strong citizens as well as strong leaders in the church, uh, but even strong leaders in our families. Um, and as we think about those things, it, it just it, it really resonated with me that we that we. We have so many opportunities in various ministry contexts that uh, that look so different, uh, but yet there's still a common, you know, uh, end game with all of this. And, right. Uh, but as we think about some of these things, before I jump in, how long have you been at, at Calvary as a staff member? I've been on staff 17 years. That's a long time. Absolutely, yeah. man. It's been a great time though. That's a that's a that's a that's a, that's, a, that's long enough to see a kid born and graduate from high school. So, well, yeah, we're about at that point. Getting close yeah, to that, right? Yeah. That's good. Uh, can you can you just uh, maybe add a little bit of a context to our conversation? How has pastoring uh, now? For, for those that don't know, Calvary Baptist is a is a uh, is a smaller context church, mm-hmm. um, definitely more traditional, um, and uh, and has been really consistent throughout the years in that way. Um, and but as we think about this, how has pastoring what, what would be a smaller and traditional church been unique? I think it's it's more in the stratification of the congregation. Mm-hmm. I think actual ministry setting hasn't right. been uh, that much different than anybody else. Okay. I think part of the comfort in this time is that we're all in the same situation. Yeah. Nobody has been here before, yeah. and nobody knows how to how to pastor through this. Right. Nobody's been trained in this, and no. even generationally, if you go back yeah. uh, to the oldest among us of pastors. Maybe somebody may have been on the tail end of the war efforts, mm. but even then, it was a much different situation. So yeah. most of us are in the same setting as far as decision-making mm-hmm. and all of those pieces. It's more in the specifics in how we connect with our congregation. Right. And so for somebody like me in a congregation my size, it's the, the day-to-day impact, day-to-day relationships, yeah. how we do discipleship, how we do member care those types of items that have been drastically impacted and changed and that we've had to think through mm. in a, a re- responsive way, not a reactive way yeah. during these, these short but very uh, frenzied days. Man, that's good. You know, you know, you mentioned something about, you know, uh, in comparison to another, you know, situation in our nation's history when we talk about wars. And, I, and, it, and it does begin to feel a little bit like we're navigating one of those uh, culturally transformational seismic, you know, shifts that has been really thrust upon us. 
and uh, that we find ourselves really in a battle that's 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 different than anything anybody's experienced, except for that generation that has been through, you know, you know, one of the great world wars where where the economy was changed, where designations for employment were radically shifted, uh, corporations engaged in in the process where they set aside their normal production and products to be able to produce, you know, uh, goods and services that would help further the effort to overcome. And and we're seeing a lot of that happen now. So that mm-hmm. I think that's a really good comparison. And when you think about um, a younger generation, uh, that's uh, w- w- where I would say is, you know, under the age of 50, probably, especially, uh, there's no context for comparing it to one of those, you know, uh, tumultuous uh, seasons like a world war. And so it definitely brings new opportunity to to think about and to to even project our expectations almost mm-hmm. to say what what's the end game look like when, when this is all done. Uh, how will things be different? And I think for even my generation, the closest we have is September 11th. True. That the the terrorist attacks had a drastic impact on mm. somebody my age. Right. But it didn't reshape our economy. I mean, right. People made lifestyle changes. They may have stopped flying commercially. Mm-hmm. They may have traveled differently. It may have changed some things in how we perceive culture. Mm-hmm. But it didn't reshape our national identity, yeah. those economic factors. So this really is a, it's, it's a new place. It's, it's a new cultural moment for us. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's it's comforting in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an, an odd sense of comfort to be able to tell ourselves we're all in the same place. Right. Whether you pastor a 50-person church, a 100-person church, a 250-person church, or a 10,000-person church, right. we're all in the same place. Yeah. We're all trying to trust the Lord, mm-hmm. walk in wisdom, mm-hmm. love our neighbors, and make decisions based on that sense of... Yeah what's best and not knowing what the world is going to look like six months from now, Mm -hmm. a year from now, or even two years from now. Yeah. I've got a lot of questions as I think about Calvary and, and the, the position that it has in this community, which is, is, is pretty constant and, uh, and stable in that sense. But at the same time, uh, when I think about uh, navigating these days, uh, I, I always like to start with some, some of the positives. What, mm-hmm. what have you guys seen at, at the church there? I know you have a, a staff that oversees a couple different areas and, and helps to shepherd the flock there. What, what are some opportunities that have been uh, realized in, in, the, in the context of doing ministry where you are? I think once we get we got out of the initial shock, mm-hmm. it was being able to equip people to do ministry as the church scattered. Yeah, I think for a long time we've struggled even in our smaller context with this idea that the the church gathered is the most effective way for right. ministry. And so encouraging people, as we've done for a long time, mm-hmm. that the, the church scattered, taking the gospel as God's people into our neighborhoods, to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Uh, our church mission statement is that we serve and go, that mm-hmm. our unbelieving neighbors might become committed followers of Jesus Christ. Right. Well, as a church gathered, that, that is for that right effective, now. but as a church scattered, it's even more effective. Right. And so now as ministry leaders, um, because most of my staff is part-time, mm-hmm. they can more effectively equip their leadership to say, okay, in the times where we were gathered, use those to go and take the gospel to your neighbors, right. that they're going to be there. 
They know, are. The, people aren't going places now. So how are we taking opportunity right. to serve our neighbors, to share the hope mm-hmm. that's only found in Christ, the, the living hope that we have in the resurrected Christ, yeah. and not see it as something that we've lost, right. but a new opportunity that's been given given to us by the Lord. Certainly. And, and to see that as, okay, how is God calling us to serve Him in this era, right. at this moment, because he hasn't taken something away from us. No. He's given us a new opportunity. And and so yeah. being able to see it as an equipping moment. Yeah. And once the initial shock came away, that was why it was so necessary for us to be responsive and not reactive, to True. slow down in the moment mm-hmm. and to not try to get so focused on maintaining that idea of the church gathered. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's what's so easy to say. How can we replicate gathering and gathering and gathering and help people or force people to miss Mm -hmm. the scattering opportunities? Certainly, certainly. So in in a sense, uh, the direction that you guys have had to take uh, has been not trying to capture uh, and help to, to... you know, provide opportunities for people to feel okay about gathering, even though it's a different format, mm-hmm. as much as it's been, here's where you are. How do you use that to leverage and to be an, uh, to really be an encouragement, to right. be a servant, uh, to open doors of opportunity for conversations about the gospel? This mm-hmm. is why we do what we do. Here's how we stay calm. Here's how we, we, we remain in peace and, uh, and let those transition and build those bridges in the, in the dialogue. Right. And, um, and, st- and I, what I'm hearing you say too, is that as a, as a, as a pastor, that you want to shepherd your, your congregation in a way to where they're not dependent on that that physical gathering or dependent even on the digital gathering, uh, right? And, and and even though we want to provide that, we want to provide that huddle, that that celebration, you know, coming together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's put that in a different light. That what is the most vital aspect of living out as the bo- as the body of Christ? Right. Is it really been that gathering moment? And should it be moving forward? Um, well, I think this is an opportunity for a lot of churches to restructure mm-hmm. the theological understanding of evangelism and right. how we love our neighbors f- for many of our church members. Yeah. I've had a number of church members through the years describe it like a baseball game, that their their job is to get their unsaved neighbor into that gathering. Yep. And then I'm, I'm like the closer. I'm, I'm a big New York Yankees <laughs> fan. So it, it's, okay. it's cool to think okay. of myself like Mariana Rivera. I was curious coming to say, you're going to go with and, Mariana Rivera and, now. And, you know, the Sandman's playing and I'm, I'm running to the, to the mound. That's it. But I, I think that's a lot of our members view it right. like that. Right. Get, get my unsaved neighbor to church, my unsaved yep. uh, friend or family member, yeah. and here comes the pastor to close the situation. Right. I don't think that's healthy. That's reflective, uh, I, though, across the country. Correct. It, especially in, in North American church context. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt. I think there's a usefulness of mm-hmm. the, the gathered church in evangelism. And we, we, don't, we shouldn't downplay that. Right. But to be able to equip our members to see that we're all closers. Yeah. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that we're all ambassadors of Christ. We're all making that plea for the gospel. We're all calling people to respond to what Christ has done for sinners. And this is a moment where we can reframe people's understanding of what is corporate worship. Corporate worship isn't a a weekly evangelistic gathering. And I think in some ways we can make it that and to our detriment. So being able to reframe it in these times to mm. say it, it's it's more complex than that, 
it's more purposeful than that. And it's more purposeful because we're, we're gathering to equip one another, to encourage one another, yeah. to affirm one another in our collective ministry. That it really gets us back to theologically that idea of the priesthood of all believers. No doubt. That in these moments, we can affirm to one another mm-hmm. as Protestants, especially mm-hmm. coming out of the Reformation era to say, Every one of us, by the work of the Spirit, is mm-hmm. equipped to go and do gospel ministry. Mm-hmm. We gather weekly to be reminded of mm-hmm. the promises of God brought to us through the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. But each one of us can go take that gospel to anyone and everyone who needs it. That's a good word. And this is the opportunity for that. Certainly is. And, 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 and maybe, maybe that is part of the, the, uh, the, the, the powerful outcome of God's people navigating a, a season like this. Yeah. Yes. That that uh, while there is great need, there's lots of hurt and lots of healing to take place, uh, both physically and, of course, spiritually. But it will open up new doors of the church being more reflective and probably a more accurate picture of what the church might should have already been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've culturally made it into something else. And I, and I honestly, I don't think there's a there's a new agenda to to depose, dispose of of the congregational gatherings. No, uh, no. I mean, Scripture is, is definitely specific and intentional about mm-hmm. us coming together. But the coming together doesn't necessarily have to look like throngs of people in one room and, uh, and we walk in, experience, and then walk out. Uh, that coming together really is more like Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Yes, yes. That we, we don't forsake gathering together. We want to come together so that we can encourage each other to love and good works. And, and, and I almost see it similar to what we do here in an academic environment in this sense. Um, many students struggle with topics or, or subjects that they're taking. Uh, I've never been a big fan of taking a biology class. But I guarantee you, if I'm in a biology class, when I come to class and I'm sitting with someone who understands it, maybe they are just are more gifted in that way or they've studied more, which is probably the case for me when it comes to biology. But I'm able to ask questions of, of the experts mm-hmm. who can then encourage me to really catch the meaning and the understanding of that subject. And, and in many cases, that's really the purpose of gathering the saints. Uh, we gather the saints to address needs. We gather the saints to encourage one another towards love and good works and really in discipleship. We, we just finished a study through First John earlier okay. this year. Mm-hmm. And that's one of John's regular patterned encouragements with mm-hmm. those one another statements. That right. There's a sense of corporate encouragement that mm-hmm. we draw just by being together. Right. And so reinforcing the corporate gathering is something that we have throughout church history. Mm-hmm. It's a New Testament ideal. It's something the church has done throughout the eras mm-hmm. to, to remind Christians that mm-hmm. we're not alone. Yeah. And especially in this time, that, that's the need for the, the virtual presence of Absolutely. the church to say, we yeah. can't come together physically, but we can still reinforce the one another, that Absolutely. there's a sense of corporate encouragement mm-hmm. that we're not alone, that's that good. we're in this with one another, that we're all we're all in the same place, we're yeah. all having the same struggles, right. but we all have the same God who's ruling and reigning from the heavens, who's, who's reminding us, fear not, I'm with you. That's right. And so th- that's what corporate worship is meant mm-hmm. to create yeah. among God's people. Yeah. So reinforcing that with the technology that God is providing us, and then after we come out of this, mm-hmm. to, to remind ourselves that corporate worship has that one another component. That w- when we sing, I'm not just singing for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm singing for everyone around me. Right. So I'm not just staring at people on a stage performing for Absolutely. me, but we're there to worship the Lord together. Sure. He's the audience that we're there for. That's good. That's good. You know, you mentioned about bringing that together, and, and uh, 
uh, and using technology. Mm -hmm. How has that, how, how have you seen the effectiveness of that and how have, how have people engaged? We've been pleasantly surprised with that really across our, our age ranges. Yep. Um, it, it's required some people to learn on the fly, including me, mm -hmm. uh, how, how to use some of these items. I think that's one of the biggest challenges for smaller churches that we're not resourced as well right. as some of our uh, larger counterparts. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it is an opportunity for us to show our members mm -hmm. you know, we're willing to put in whatever effort is necessary mm -hmm. to care for their souls. Right. You know, there's that passage at the end of the book of Hebrews mm -hmm. where um, members are called to obey and to submit to their leaders because right. we're responsible. We're going to be held account for report. their souls. Right. Well, this is a moment where we have to decide how much investment of our own time and energy are we going to put into continuing to care yeah. for those we're going to have to give an account for. Right. And th that investment in technology has been one of those places for me personally mm -hmm. to say, I still have to invest in the lives of my members. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to have to stand before the Lord. And I can't tell him, well, we were quarantined. So, you know, I, I couldn't keep doing that. Right. He's not going to take that answer. No. So, so how can I continue to sharpen myself, mm -hmm. put myself in areas that I'm not very familiar with? Mm -hmm. I'm a low-tech guy. You have an iPad. I have a... a just a, a loose leaf notebook here. Right. So I'm, I'm not a high tech guy, yeah. but this has forced me to engage in those ways. And, and we've seen a responsiveness to that mm -hmm. and it's been a blessing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so for us, th that's been a way to force ourselves to hustle mm -hmm. just like everybody else is. That's good. And, uh, and obviously, and, and having, having visited with you guys before, I, there's definitely a uh, a, a range of age demographic there, uh, and you know, I did notice that uh, you know it's a, it's a there's a median to to retiree type range that's mm -hmm. pretty prevalent there, and and so one would assume that that there are some technology struggles, but I, I think beyond the technology, I know that even grandparents uh, and even sometimes great grandparents have have learned to navigate Facebook. Yes, so they're not completely foreign. Not all of them have, but many of them have. But I think the concept of what the, the significance that it holds is 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 probably the bigger jump for most people. Knowing that I was satisfied with coming, and now that I'm prohibited from coming, mm -hmm. uh, how can I be satisfied with just gathering digitally? And I think it pushes back to what you said earlier, because as I look through the the first century church, I don't see them gathering corporately and and walking away feeling I'm done. You know, it's uh, it, it is more of a Hebrews ten twenty four where they're coming together to encourage one another. They're coming mm -hmm. together to identify needs and help with each other's needs, uh, as well as the needs of that community, and and then be sent back out uh, to to engage the community with the gospel, as you were saying, to 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 be that. Uh, scattered church more than the gathered church. That's what's been interesting to watch how they how they use the mm -hmm. videos or how they interact with the videos that we posted mm -hmm. is whether it's a comment section where you have two members that they haven't physically interacted in weeks in some cases, right. but they're interacting in a comment section, encouraging yeah. one another, reinforcing to one another some of the truths that we've looked at before or that they've run across in another video or another article to see them living out that, that Hebrews 10 ideal. That's encouraging. And then using the videos, sharing them, and then interacting with uh, unsaved loved ones, right. unsaved friends, using it as a tool to yeah. continue the conversation. There's definitely a barrier that's been removed. 
Yes. Uh, especially for the sake of the gospel. Uh, it's one thing to bring someone to a church, especially in Western culture and, yes. and in various parts around the nation, it has different taboo or a different uh, reaction uh, because people who grew up uh, maybe abused in some type of religious context and not necessarily physically abused, although those are prevalent uh, more so than that we ever uh, would have imagined, but also just the, uh, the emotional and the, leg the legalistic type tendencies that people got burned on whereas they're not going to come back through the doors of a church, but they'll engage in conversation, especially when someone is just trying to be encouraging right. and, uh, and not trying to be uh, focused on conversion, but more on caring first. I think that's why it's important for us in this time to make things accessible. Mm -hmm. And by accessible, I don't mean to water down content right. or to remove the edges of the gospel, mm -hmm. but things from length and, and where we post it. Right. A, a lot of people, you know, posting a 12, 15 minute video for some people, mm -hmm. there's going to be a, a portion of our demographic that is going to watch that. Right. But the the people that you just described, if we don't catch them in the first minute or two, absolutely, then really we're not being as effective. So reinforcing yeah. that in the resources we put out, mm -hmm. that we need to somewhat limit ourselves and some of them to speak directly to needs and to mm -hmm. show them we understand the position you're in, mm -hmm. but so do so do the scriptures. They speak to those needs, right? And and we're not creating this up because of this situation. Mm -hmm. But God spoke to this thousands of years ago, mm -hmm. and we're not creating relevance. We're showing you relevance. Wow. That the the scriptures a, have been there all along, yeah. and, and how can we reinforce that to people and, and do it in a way that's compelling mm. and that reinforces to them, yeah. once this is all over, we're still here. We are. And, and that's a really good point. I love the way you phrase that, uh, that we're not uh, creating relevance. We're, we're, we're showing you relevance. Mm -hmm. uh, God's word has been relevant. Uh, you know, it tells us that it's profitable, every bit of it, uh, because it's been inspired. And the Creator understands every season of life throughout history. And the truths that have been given to us as gifts are applicable no matter where we are and who we are. Uh, it's incumbent on those who are walking in, in leadership as well as just believers walking the, the life of faith to, to search diligently to be able to, uh, in some ways, um, demonstrate the skills of, of the, you know, the, the men of Issachar, mm. uh, taking what we know of the world around us, but then helping God's people know what they should do. But in some ways, there's another step there to, to help people who don't know him, what should we do? Because people will look to, it's, it's much like in the, in, in the hospital room, everyone wants the pastor to come pray for them, yes. no matter how they've lived. And, uh, and, and people look for comfort from those who, who lead in churches. Mm -hmm. And I think in, in many ways, this is one of those opportunities that we, we don't need to make it a proverbial response. We need to make it a powerful and accurate response that drives people, and not, not even drives them, but that shows people the truth of what God has revealed in His Word to us, and, and then how that applies to this situation into our life right now. I think how we pace ourselves during mm -hmm. this time is important and reflects that as well. Right. That I think initially a, a lot of pastors felt like we had to put out a lot of content really quickly. Sure. Th that's going to be a quick way for a lot of us to burn ourselves out. Uh, before this happened, most of us weren't putting out a video a day. Right. Most of us weren't leading a Bible study every day. Right. Most of us weren't interacting with large portions of our congregations mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. And so being able to pace ourselves in this mm -hmm. so that what we do put out is of value mm -hmm. and does speak to needs, mm -hmm. that we're not just putting something out to prove, well, I am working after all. 
Yeah. That almost has a sense of guilt that mm-hmm. we can't do what we used to do, yeah. but to reinforce to ourselves that we're carrying burdens still. We're yeah. still praying for our people. Yeah. We're still thinking through how to best serve them. We're thinking through how to structure the church in a way that's going to be effective now, mm-hmm. in the next six months, mm-hmm. in the next two years, because mm-hmm. things are going to change. Mm-hmm. And then be able to pace ourselves accordingly. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my biggest fear for fellow pastors right. is I, I think we're in a very frenzied position mm-hmm. and it's easy to work ourselves up into a, a, a pattern mm-hmm. that's very unhealthy. So we to slow ourselves down. And it's always been an occupational hazard to a degree to where we, we get into comparative yes. uh, you know, narratives in our own minds. And, uh, and now is one of those times where... Uh, honestly, you know, when you mention the resources that different different churches may have over others, that's always been the case. Yes, even, and with technology, it maybe it, it, it pronounces it even more, but it's always been the case in the, in the sense that um, you know there's always been greater budgets to do you know a bigger production on Sunday morning mm-hmm. or to offer more services and and uh, not just worship services but but things for the community and, and support things financially. And so there's always been that. But I think what one of the things you mentioned here at the beginning of our time was we're, we're, we're all in this same situation. Yes. Uh, and, and we have different contexts, but the same, the same target, the same goal. And, and as ambassadors of, of heaven and, uh, and children of the King, uh, we represent the one who has hope mm-hmm. to people that, that we see. And, and so using this technology and using these different mediums is, is not just uh, a, a filler, it's actually a, a, a mission that we've yes. been given. And, and I think, too, uh, and I would love to hear your, your, your thoughts on this as well, but as we move forward, I wonder how many of the measures we've implemented as a church hmm. will be things that we, we evaluate and we decide, this is something that really does help us. Hmm. Even when we're gathering back physically on Sundays or wh- whatever day, uh, this could help us. Uh, and that could be one of the things that, that really the church reaps a huge benefit on because people have acclimated towards engaging in those different mediums for that. And uh, I really hope that that would be the case. You know, one last question that I, I really wanted to see if we could uh, just discuss is, is this. I, I, there, there's, a, there's a dynamic that may be developing or has already developed. Uh, you know, my wife and I have discussed this, uh, that the longer that th- this goes, uh, the greater the propensity of, of internal stress happens from those who are practicing what we've been, you know, admonished and in some ways, you know, ordered to do when it comes to social distancing and self-quarantining. And uh, how, how have you seen some of those things develop when it comes to how various communities uh, or demographics in our community uh, wrestle with these things? Uh, I think about our singles and uh, we obviously are in a college context. We've got students, even on campus today, there's a there's a you know a handful of students that are still here, and uh, they're not on a dorm hall where there's you know sixty or seventy other students right now. There may be four or five other students in a whole hall, and uh, and in communities and apartment complexes and in neighborhoods where people are you know shut in. Uh, what 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 should the church be thinking about? And and what what kind of things may materialize out of this? I think we have to reinforce the the need for community. Yeah. I think in this time, what we're seeing is there's a there's a drastic difference, even in my church, mm-hmm. between those who had a sense of healthy community and those who didn't. Right. 
that in, in, in some cases that community was church-based. Right. And in other cases, it was a community that was off-site, okay. um, whether it's a gym or right. something like that. That's right. But, but I think... Starbucks. It, yeah. yeah. Somewhere where you have yeah. people that you, you interact with regularly. Right. And that's the difference I'm seeing mm-hmm. is people who have that sense of community, people they can interact with on social media, they're, they're text messaging regularly, mm-hmm. they're calling regularly, they're doing Zoom calls and FaceTime and mm-hmm. just a sense of regular interaction. Right. That's making a huge difference when compared to people who they didn't have that. Right. You know, they, they, the church was a gathering. Mm-hmm. They came on Sunday, they participated, and then they were out the door. Yeah. They, they may have, and they've been living as shut-ins a right. lot of times. Yeah. And I think this is revealing to people whether they had true community mm-hmm. or whether they, they don't. Right. And, and coming out of this, my prayer is that people will see why we emphasize so much mm-hmm regardless of church size, Mm -hmm. the need to have healthy community. Whether that community is a few other people in Mm -hmm. similar life situations or a range of people Mm -hmm. in differing life situations. That's what's been interesting to me is to see my congregation interact across the spectrum Mm -hmm. and to share wisdom in some cases, to see, okay, how can a senior adult help a a mom whose kids have gone from in school to now she has to embrace this idea of, okay, you're the teacher, go at it. Or in some cases, a, a grandmother who has to instruct her grandchildren mm-hmm. because her son or daughter is, is still working full time. Right. And so how do we have a sense of shared community, yeah. shared wisdom? The, the people that I'm seeing struggle the most are the ones who didn't have community. Right. And so one of the, the learning points, I think, coming out of this is how do we not just encourage people, mm-hmm. but show them the value of when, when you live apart from community, mm-hmm. There is something that happens to you at a soul level mm-hmm. that you lack. That's true. And at a certain point in your life, you're going to see that come out. Right. Rather than waiting for that moment, mm-hmm. prepare for it. There see the go. value of developing relationships, mm-hmm. of managing your schedule mm-hmm. around investing time in developing relationships with other people, mm-hmm. not because you get something reciprocal out of it in Mm -hmm. the moment. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of community development for the individual, you don't get an initial feedback right. from it. You know, right. you know, there's no uh, return on investment right away. Right. It's something that is going to happen over the long term. Definitely. I think in our culture, that's that's the biggest struggle for a lot of people in developing community mm. is we're stressed out. We're taken to our limits. We don't have a lot of additional recreational time. Mm-hmm. So when we tell people develop community, what they look at is I don't have time for that. Well, now that we have all the time in the world, what we're looking back and realizing yeah. is I should have developed community. I right. should have taken some of that time that I thought I didn't have, but I really did right. and gotten to know some people. That's good. You know, that's a great place to wrap up. Uh, as we think through, uh, you know, this, this situation, um, community has been what has been pronounced in, in all of the, the headlines. Uh, you're seeing this, but you know, I know that uh, the entertainment industry has, you know, offered options that people can view concerts yeah. and, but in, even watching those things, they're, they're taking, they're taking steps away to identify a community of people that in the healthcare you know, industry and the yeah. workers that are taking care of people, there's a community there that they're finding, although it's a tragic and difficult situation to navigate that is, that is really weighing on them heavily. But without the community, we are left to be alone. 
and you know, as we wrap up this session, it's 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 incumbent on us as a as a church and as believers mm-hmm. and as followers of Christ to think about the original design in Genesis. Uh, when he got through, when God, our Creator, finished creation, every day, every aspect was pronounced good, and the only thing that was pronounced that that wasn't good in that moment was that it's not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. And that's where, of course, he created Eve. Uh, I don't believe that God got to the end of creation and and thought, I missed something. I think it was pronounced in Scripture so we would see the good wasn't had yet just in the creation of Adam because he was unique and needed relationship, created for relationship. So then the good was after Eve was created. And then, of course, he established that relationship. That was a marriage relationship, but it also was the beginning of community among people. Um, it was a family community, but it was the beginning of that. And God pronounced the necessity of relationship for his, for his created people. And, um, and as we think about that, when we, when we press towards community in this, in this season, even doing it with, through innovation and, uh, what has been understood by many of us as unconventional methods, what we're really doing is we're, we're reflecting the heart of a creator mm-hmm. and his original design for us. And I promise you, and I guarantee everybody who's serving in the church and beyond, if we press into what he originally intended for us, we'll see incredible fruit and a great return for the sake of the kingdom. But even for now, it changes now. Well, thank you, Lewis, for being here with us. Uh, I hope this was a blessing uh, for those that will be listening uh, and uh, and a great encouragement. So we pray that Calvary will continue to be able to to serve the needs of that community of uh, believers there in that congregation, as well as the neighbors and the co-workers that are connected to them. So thank thank you. you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. You just listened to the Modern Ministry Podcast put on by the John W. Rawlings School of Divinity at Liberty University. Please reach out to us at www.liberty.edu forward slash divinity if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, and let us know if there's a pressing issue in your ministry that we should address in this podcast.